You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. 2004, we were, Amanda and I were in Australia for my brother's wedding. And at that time, my, my mum was a little ill. And uh, so the morning of the wedding, of which I was the best man, was a little complicated. Like we had to go and pick up my mum and because she wasn't well, we went and dropped her off at the hotel and my brother, sorry, my uh, Amanda looked after my then two very small young kids and my sick mum while my brother and I went to one of the other groomsmen's house to uh, get ready for the wedding. So we're about two hours out from the wedding and we go to the hotel, we drop all them off, then we load back in the car, we head back to uh, this groomsman's house and we get to the groomsman's house and we start unloading the car and my brother with this pale look on his face says to me, did you get the suits that I took out of the car at the hotel, put on the roof of the car? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to get mum's bag out and then we just, did you get the suits of which was my suit that because I didn't want to lose the rings, I'd put the rings in the pocket of the suit. Yeah, funny for you people, 13 years later, I still have nightmares. Plus another groomsman's suit. To add to the woe of the day, they had these shirts made and hand embroidered that told the story of two families coming together. Those shirts also were in the suit bags. So my brother looks at me and says, did you get the suits? I'm like, ah, I didn't even know you'd put them on the roof. He said, look, quick. It was about a 15 minute drive between the two. He said, quick, drive back and see if you can find the suit. So I'm two hours out from a wedding and I'm driving up and down the motorway looking for a random suit bag that has two suits, two pairs of shoes and the wedding rings in it. Didn't find them. So all the... Ladies here are feeling a little bit ill right now. Uh, so I called the suit hire company and I said, hey, uh, we've had a bit of a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, would you happen to have suits that we could use for the day? They said, come on in. We might find something that kind of works. So we go in there and they found stuff that kind of worked. Like my pants were here <laughs> before it was cool. My pants were here. Uh, the jacket kind of fit, but I could, couldn't do it up. Uh, the other guy, his arm sleeves, maybe we should have changed the jacket for the pants, they would have worked out. They found a shirt that was kind of the same colour and I said to my brother, here's what we're going to do, use Amanda's and my wedding rings and we'll get through it and then we'll deal with it afterwards. He says, I said to him, so what I would do if I was you is I would let Mel, your soon-to-be wife, know what's about to happen so that she doesn't get a shock. He goes, no, she won't even notice. What lady doesn't notice? Right, so we rock up and true to form, she didn't notice until the celebrant on the day says, can I have the wedding rings? And I hand over mine and Amanda's wedding ring and she says, where the hell are the rings? Into the celebrant's microphone that everyone heard. I said, Mel, let's just settle down. I'll tell you what happened afterwards. They go away on honeymoon. Mel's 
parents put an ad in the paper and this uh, lady who was retired reads the ad in the paper and thinks, oh, Jim came home a few weeks ago with a new suit bag in the back of the car. I just thought he'd bought a suit and I hung it up in the closet. So she goes into the closet. Sure enough, in the closet is two suits, two pairs of shoes and two wedding rings hanging up in it. So they got it all back. But I, got, I bet you I've got a better wedding story than you've got. Let's get this better. So 1998, December 12th, 1998, Amanda and I get married. This is our wedding day. Uh, next picture is Amanda's father. Look at me. Like who wouldn't marry that? She's a lucky girl. Uh, so, so that's Amanda's father who, and I am placing the ring on Amanda's finger. And then the next picture is her and I with our wedding. We've still got that dress, by the way. We're 20 years and I've carted that thing all over the world and she hasn't worn it once. I'm like, can we get rid of it? Anyway, so, so we are, wrong, wrong conversation. So this is, this is us. And if you have a look, my wedding ring is right. I have eight wedding rings because I like wedding rings and I lose a few of them. But, um, but I've got to tell you, every time I look at the wedding ring, it means something because because I've done about, I don't know, maybe 60 or 80 weddings in the last 20 years I've officiated. And I love the point in the wedding where you actually exchange rings. Because I'll always say something along the lines of, the rings you're about to exchange are circular in motion. Because they represent a love that doesn't end. Uh, they're, they're, they are representative and reminders of the promises you've made today before God, family and friends. And there's two of them representing that this is a partnership that you're both entering into. And if I stop long enough and look at my wedding ring, it's not just a piece of metal. It, it is a reminder of the promises that I made on that day. Do you know what communion is? Communion isn't just some bread and some juice. Communion is a reminder of a bigger story of what Jesus has done. Communion isn't just a moment in a service because we've got nothing better to do. Communion is shouting the fact that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago still has relevance in my here and now, that his death was a payment for my salvation. And when he returns, of which he promised he would do, that's the completion of the salvation. It's a moment to honour and remember an event that has a huge impact on my here and now. We are proclaiming the beginning of the end of what Jesus did to put an end to sin and death. That's what communion is about. Look at how the Apostle Paul describes it. He said, For I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, took the bread and he had given thanks. That's an amazing statement. On the night he was betrayed, he gave thanks. You know, that what you do in the midst of challenge will determine how you come through challenge, that thankfulness precedes breakthrough. And on the night that he was betrayed, he gave thanks. He broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. The old covenant was based on rules, regulation and religion. The new covenant is based on what I'm about to do. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim. Not you observe a religion. Not you go through some motion. You proclaim 
the Lord's death until he comes again. You proclaim the Lord's victory until he comes again. You proclaim the finished work of the cross until he comes again. As often as you do this, you proclaim what Jesus did and it has an effect on my hair and on my now. You know, just as my wedding ring, you know, if I look at my wedding ring always and I remember back to that day, there is one vow that I remember above all others. Maybe it's because of the environment I grew up in, maybe because it's special to me. But one vow that I made, Amanda, is that I will strive to honor you above myself for the rest of my days. Whenever I look at my wedding ring, I remember that one vow. Can I tell you that communion isn't about bread and juice, but it's about what we remember in that moment about what Jesus did. The Bible says he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. This is my body is a declaration of heaven to earth. When I take communion and I look at the bread, I look at the emblems of the bread, it's a declaration that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago isn't contained in heaven, but God unlocked something through Jesus that the benefit of the cross can have my ear and now that heaven and earth, heaven can invade my earth in this moment. That if I'm sick, I can believe for heaven's healing in my earthly sickness because of the cross. That if I'm broken, I can believe for heaven's restoration in my earthly challenge because of the cross. It's a declaration of heaven in my earth. Jesus became what was killing and destroying us. If you read the account of the crucifixion, if you have ever seen the movie The Passion, I think it's the greatest depiction uh, pictorially of what happened. I would Uh, just warn you, just be careful if you've got your kids around because it is quite graphic, but the reality is what Jesus went through was graphic. Jesus said, this is my body that was broken. Not that took a couple of weeks, it was broken for you. You know, before Jesus got to the cross, he got 39 lashes. You might say 39, that's a strange number. The Romans in those days believed that if you got to 40, you would die. Because there was 39 strips of leather. And on the end of each of those strips of leather was a piece of glass, a piece of rock, or a piece of metal that a Roman soldier would lash across the back of Jesus. And at 39, organs were exposed. You look around today and there is cancer and there is all sorts of Uh, diseases that are ravaging people's physical bodies. And then if you take it beyond physical, there is depression and there is anxiety and there is all sorts of internal things that are ravaging people's souls. And Jesus said, this is my body that is broken for you. And the picture is it was broken. But three days later, Jesus rose again and he was restored to what he was beforehand because no longer does sickness and death, whether visible or invisible, have the final say. But for the first time in all of history, Jesus took on your form and my form. And he went through that to say, although you may be ravaged in a moment, you can believe right now because of what I did in the cross, that heaven would invade your earth and you can believe for healing and breakthrough and restoration because of what he did. This is my body. 
Isaiah 53, 5 says this, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Catch this. And by his stripes, we are healed. You know what communion's about? It's about believing for heaven in my earthly experience. As a pastor, I've walked many people through some pretty challenging circumstances. I remember one individual who was given, a term, uh, the, given the prognosis of a terminal illness and I made a commitment to go and take communion with him every 48 hours and that went on for six months. And every 48 hours for six months, I'd go to his house and I'd take communion and this gentleman's confession was the same every day. He would say, Jesus, because of your cross, I, I am healed. Because of your cross, like, yeah, but he didn't receive his healing in the first six months. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because it's not about what happened backwards. It's about what I'm believing in forwards that in this moment I'm declaring Declaring that because your body was broken, I can be healed and believe for an intersection of heaven in my earth because of what you've done. I'm healed. The body is a declaration of heaven in my earth. Then he said, This is my blood. It's the cup of the new covenant. The blood is a declaration of one day earth will be in heaven. That salvation is no longer based on my goodness and my ability to get better, but salvation and my ultimate transition from this life into the next. I can believe to transition from this life into the very presence of God because of what Jesus did at the cross. It's not based on my ability to be worthy of it and my ability to measure up. It's based on Him back there dying on a cross to become the answer for anything that would separate me from God has an answer and His name is Jesus and it's the finished work of the cross that no longer does my sin, my shortcoming, my missing the mark disqualify me from a relationship with a perfect God because a perfect Saviour gave His life in my place and spilt His perfect blood. It's been said that someone's blood, their, their literal blood, is the, is, represents the very life of who they are. You know, I was doing some study this week and the lambs that were around in Jesus' day had a natural inoculation to some of the serpents that were in the desert. The only animal that did not get affected by the bite of a serpent. You know what the enemy is pictured as? A serpent. And the perfect lamb spilled his perfect blood so that you and I don't have to rely on our imperfect life to measure up but he died as us and the declaration of this is the blood of the new covenant is no longer do you have to rely on religion but you can rely on a relationship with a Jesus who gave his life so that I can have a relationship with God in heaven the body is a declaration of heaven to earth the blood is a declaration of earth to heaven and Jesus gave us these emblems as a gift to remind us of what he has already done. And today as we take communion, can I encourage you, be reminded. How many people in here are facing sickness? Can you give me a wave? How many people have a loved one who are facing a terminal disease? Can you give me a wave? Come on. 
We're going to believe with you that in this moment, heaven would intersect earth and we can believe for healing in this moment. And today, if you're in church and you've never opened your heart to a God who loves you and a God who cares for you, you know that the picture of communion is the greatest picture of a God who has done everything He can do to create a pathway from our brokenness into His wholeness and His presence. That the enemy would cause you to believe that it's based on your goodness or cause you to believe that you are disqualified from a relationship with God because of what you've done or what you've said. Friend, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the Bible says that while we were the furthest away from God, Jesus gave His life. He gave His body and He gave His blood to create a pathway from our brokenness to His love. And our church exists not for people to be subscribed into religion, but for people to discover a relationship with a God who loves them and a God who cares for them. And before we take communion, I'd love to pray for anyone who says, Scott, I don't know God in a real way. I don't know Jesus in a way that when I am sick or facing challenge, I can believe for heaven to intersect earth. I don't know Jesus in a way that I know when I pass on from this life, whether it's close or whether it's in decades to come, that I would pass into the very presence of God because I've put my hope in Jesus to transition into a relationship that I was designed for and that's the presence of God. And if you don't know God for yourself, friend today, I'd love to pray. It would be my honour and my privilege to pray with you and pray for you that in this moment you would know what it is to be forgiven of your past, to have a hope for the future, that you would know what it is to begin a lifelong pilgrimage of discovering how much He loves you and how much He is for you and the plans that He's got for you and that you need to realise that as you walk into the future, it's not based on your ability to work it out. It's based on what He's already done and the plans He has for you. So if you don't know God for yourself, it'd be, I'd love to pray for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Say, Scott, that's me. The Bible says that with one simple prayer, you can know what it is to have forgiveness of your past, hope for the future. Our church exists for this moment. Christians are praying all over the building. Say, Scott, include me in that prayer. We're gonna pray a prayer. And if you are making this decision, I'm just gonna encourage you to repeat these words after me. In fact, we're all gonna pray it together as one church family. But if you wanna make this decision today, open your heart and pray these words. Come on, let's pray together. Say, Father, today, I open my heart. I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you you've got a plan and a purpose for my life. Jesus, today, I need a Saviour. And I choose you to be my Lord, to be my Saviour. Help me to discover how to have a relationship with you. From this moment on, I am a Christian in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I can't think of a better way to start your Christian journey than with communion, remembering and thanking Jesus for what He's done. So I'm gonna ask the hosts to come forward and begin to distribute the emblems. Take a little cup of juice, take one of the little bits of bread. There's nothing special about the cup and there's nothing special about the bread. I think we bought them both from Woolworths down the road. Not Woolworths, that's Australian. From Countdown. I think we bought them both from Countdown down the road. Like delivery, online delivery. There's nothing special about that. 
But what they represent can change your here and now. You can believe for healing here and now. Because what we're about to do is not a, re- it's not a ritual, it's a reflection. It's a moment of remembrance. Like every time I look at my wedding ring, I remember the vows I made. Every time you look at that body, you can remember I can be healed. I can be set free. I can believe for a better tomorrow. Every time I look at that little cup, I can remember that my salvation, my relationship with God isn't based on my goodness. It's based on the goodness of a Savior who gave His life for me. I can remember. It's not observation. It's a declaration. As we take communion in this moment, we are declaring to sickness, you've lost your hold. We are declaring to brokenness, you won't have the last say, but what Jesus did will have the last say. And it's not religion, it's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise for wholeness. It's a promise for health. It's a promise that my eternity awaits connected to God in heaven. It's a promise. So if you're already got your emblems. Would you stand to your feet with me all over the building? Come on, stand to your feet. If you're still passing those, you can just pass them down the rows. But here's what we're gonna do. Look at me for just a moment until, if, unless you're hand in the cup. Look at me. Here's what we're gonna do. I wanna encourage you in this moment as you take communion. Don't just eat some white bread and drink a little bit of grape juice. If you're sick, Declare over your sickness that by His stripes I am healed. Come on, if you know someone who's sick, declare over them by His stripes they are healed in Jesus' name. And if you've got someone in your world who has not yet discovered the same Saviour you've discovered, why don't you declare it's by the covenant that Jesus created that they will discover a God that loves them and a God that cares for them. Let them discover their hope in Jesus. So Father, today as we take a moment to take communion, let it be a declaration of what Jesus has already done. For those who just prayed a prayer to connect with you, let this be a foundational moment that their salvation is birthed out of what Jesus did on the cross in such a tangible way that it would set them up. God, we give it to you. We pray, have your way. Can we put our hands together and honour Jesus for who He is? You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave His life on the cross. He hung on that cross and When He rose again, He promised those who He appeared to after He rose again and He beat death and He beat sin and He beat sickness. After He took the keys that would hold anything and lock you and I out of a relationship with God, now are in the hands of a Saviour. After He did that, He said, I'm gonna come back one day and I'm gonna restore all of this. All the sickness that you see one day will be gone. 
or the heartbreak or the poverty or the injustice that you see, one day I'm gonna come back and I will bring a new heaven into earth that I will establish and reign and rule in the very environment that I intended to in the first place that humanity messed up by turning their back on God. I am so good, I am so gracious that I'm gonna build it all again and I'm gonna come back and take you to be with myself, to be in that environment. So he died back there. And the promise is out there that someday he's gonna come back. The Bible says no one knows the time or the hour. But he did say, live ready because I'm coming soon. That was 2019 years ago. How many know his definition of soon is different than ours? But one day, we'll live in this environment that is perfection. But he didn't say between my death and my coming back, just work it out. He said, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit who will lead you and who will guide you. I'm gonna give you the helper who will come alongside and lead you into all that the Father has for you. Not on your own, don't do it by yourself. Don't walk through in this fog thinking somehow I'll work it out. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit for your here and for your now. There's gonna be someone, like just like I gave you tangible communion, I'm gonna give you a tangible person called the Holy Spirit for your here and for your now. In fact, in John 16, he says this. I still have many things to tell you, but you cannot handle them right now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand. The Holy Spirit isn't some force, he's a person. And it is God's plan that he would take us by the hand. That's that's relational language. That's connected language. That's not religious language. He will take you by the hand and He will guide you into all truth there is. He won't draw attention to Himself, but He'll make sense out of what is about to happen. You ever faced with a circumstance? You think this makes no sense. Come on, anyone ever faced with that? In work, in marriage, in relationship, someone does something and it hurts you, you're like, this makes no sense. You ever turn on the news and look at our world and think, man, some of this makes no sense. You ever, you, come on, parents out there, you ever look at your teenagers and go, they make no sense. <laughs> you, you ever look at your kid? I remember when I first had my daughter, I'm like, God, just, just give me the 10, I don't wanna stuff this up. Just give me the 10 things to do to ensure she's set up for a great life and I'll do them. But he said, I'll do something better. I'll give you the Holy Spirit who'll take you by the hand and lead you through the teenage years, lead you through the financial challenges, lead you through the marriage challenge, lead you through seasons of sickness. I'll give you the Holy Spirit who will lead you. He'll make sense out of all that is about to happen and indeed out of all that I have done and said. He will honour me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has, done, has is mine. That is why I've said He takes from me and delivers it to you. Do you know that 
everything that the Father is, is, is you have access to. Not your father, not your brother, not the person who's been in church longer, not the person who's more Christian than you, that you. God wants to give you access to all that He is through the person of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is that you're facing, God has an answer and the Holy Spirit wants to deliver that answer. The Holy Spirit is not merely a companion for my journey. He is a lead for my destiny. He is one that's going to lead me into the things that God has for me. I was at the mall the other day and I watched this two-year-old go up to the dad because the two-year-old wanted to get to what was on the other side of the playground. The two-year-old said, come, 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 come with me, come with me, come with me, come, come, come with me, come with me. And when the father said, no, no, there's a better way, come this way, the two-year-old threw a tantrum, come with me, come with me. That's so many Christians. The father said, I've got a better way. I've got a better hope. I've got a better, but we throw a, a tantrum because it's not doing it the way we do it. But it says the Holy Spirit will grab you by the hand. Promises the Holy Spirit will grab you by the hand and lead you into all the Father has. You know, I thank God for our team. This is Emma Jane. She looks like Princess Leah right now, but this is Emma Jane who sits on the front row. Here's, here's why the Holy Spirit will lead you by the hand. And this is exactly what a lot of Christians' relationship with the Holy Spirit is. Who's leading who here? Holy Spirit, we're going this way. I'm going to do this. Would you bless it? Holy Spirit, I, I know I'm going to do this. Would you bless it? Holy Spirit, you're just a mere companion. You're just on for the ride. You're just coming along for whatever decision I make. Holy Spirit, this is you. But the Bible says He will take you by the hand. If you ever look at Emma Jane, she's got comms on, we call them. They're Princess Leah headphones. Up the back there, stand up, Lokes. Up the back there is Logan. Logan today is our TD, which is technical director. And Emma Jane is in communication with Logan. And if something needs to happen on stage, Logan will say to Emma Jane, tell Scott that he's about to fall off the stage. Tell Scott, so honestly, tell Scott he's gone too long. Tell Scott whatever it is, because Logan has a better point of view than Emma Jane. And Logan sits up there and says, I've got what's best for this service. I'll tell Emma Jane and then she can relay that and lead a bunch of the people down here. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit says. He says, Father, you've got a better point of view than I do. Would you take me by the hand and would you get directions from heaven? And would you lead me into all that the Father has? This week, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in your work, in your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships because the Holy Spirit taps into what the Father has who's got a better point of view and says, let me take you by the hand. The promise of Jesus is that you don't have to live in this in-between by yourself, but the Holy Spirit is your promise to lead you into the promise the Father has for you this week. What would this week look like? If you woke up tomorrow, let's make this practical. Let's put a ring on it. And give ourselves a tangible expression. What would it look like this week if somehow you reminded yourself with an alarm on your phone? With a something where you tomorrow morning woke up and said, Holy Spirit, what's the Father say about this? Because everything that the Father is, I've got access through the Holy Spirit who wants to take me by the hand. Yeah, but my husband won't. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. What's the Holy Spirit say? If you don't know my financial situation, I know, I know, I know. But what's the Holy Spirit say? 
And today we want you to leave church knowing this, that the body is about the fact that heaven can intersect earth. The blood is about the guarantee that one day I'll be in heaven. And the promise is the Holy Spirit. If you want my whole message in one sentence, here it is. The answer to my here now is found in what communion represents, healing, wholeness, and heaven, and in the person of the Holy Spirit. If that's too wordy for you, I've got another one. The cross is about heaven here on earth and the guarantee of an eternity in heaven. What would this week look like? If the emblems of communion weren't just something I did on Sunday, but something I engaged in. And my day to day, I put my hand in the hand of the Holy Spirit, said, you know best. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.